0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded podcast, the companion podcast for Digitally Downloaded.net. I'm Matt, and I'm going to be the host and navigator today. And with me this week, month, we have Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Hello, hello. And we have Trent. Hello, Trent.
1: Hello.
0: <laughs> You're always nice and short and sharp. And to the point well, Harvard
1: good. was, too. I thought that was the vibe.
0: <laughs> I said it twice. You said it once. <laughs> I was going for the big radio broadcast intro there, and uh, you're just like, yeah, cool. All right, anyway, what have we been playing this month? What have you been up to, Harvard?
2: What's on your, what, what, what has been your gaming for the month? Uh, I know I said this last month, but I'm still playing Castlevania, <laughs> because I have this complex about 100%ing those games, because they have the progress bar as you explore the castle. So I finished Circle of the Moon, and now I'm, I just finished Harmony of Dissonance which is kind of a bad game, if you ask me. It's, it's not as well designed as any of the other Metroidvanias I've played, but I'm really keen to move on to Aria of because that was the one that I played so much of growing up, and I just know it's going to take me 50 hours to collect all the stupid random drops, but I'm going to do it. Good stuff. It was It
0: is a big package, that game. There's uh, the the four games on there, the three Metroidvania's, and then for some
2: reason the other one. Oh yeah, for some threat. reason Dracula X.
0: I don't know why that's there, but it's there.
1: It's an extra game to play. It's content. Uh, Trent, what about you? What have you been playing? I've been cycling through Metroid Dread, The Good Life, and I've just started uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, you're playing How's the, the Good Life. Th- I keep getting to play that. Bunch content stuff. Yeah, the The Good Life's pretty good yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) no but what are you doing what's it about i haven't been following the news about it at all
1: so you're basically this uh photographer journalist who's come to this small town because you have this huge debt and you know like all small towns there's like this weird mystery and it just keeps getting escalated and you know you're meant to be trying to work out why but You know, basically, it's, like, some sort of story about, like, you know, two, like, English, like, kings and queens and whatever who had, like, their pet dogs and cats and then they've retired to this countryside area. And so that's why it's haunted. It is, like, the general sort of, like, mythology is, like, of the game. And then, like, you become cats and dogs at night by unlocking them and then you slowly work out why that's a thing and yeah so there's like you know, a huge countryside to explore. You know, you've got like a various range of camera bodies and lenses you can buy. And basically you take pictures, you upload it to a fake Instagram, Facebook style website. Uh, There's no comments. You just get heaps of likes Uh, and then the likes then convert to money and then the money then converts to slowly paying off your debt. And then your debt slowly gets... Not paid off because you keep buying food. (laughs) That
2: sounds cool as hell. I can't believe no one's talking about it. Yeah. It did kind of
0: drop out of nowhere, didn't it? Like, just landed and a couple of people bought it, and that's that.
1: Well, it was Um, a Kickstarter thing like ages ago, and then it was really big around then. And then, in terms of its actual launch, like, it, yeah, just really did actually drop out of nowhere, the actual launch.
0: Oh, well, hopefully it's a success for Swery, because always happy to see that guy do interesting things. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I actually haven't played it myself. I don't have a copy yet, but it is on the list of things to do if I ever find time for myself. So.
1: That's why you all need Xboxes. It was on Game Pass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even if I had an Xbox, I would not be playing
1: Game Pass, Trent. I mean, I kick anyway, so... <laughs>
0: cool well that sounds like everybody's having fun that's the main thing right um okay so we're going to go to some music some hatsune Miku music and then we're going to come back and we are going to talk about the games in november brace yourselves there's a lot coming you're just
2: going to not say what you're playing that
0: yeah i don't play games <laughs> <laughs> games are terrible what are you talking about i've got better things to do with my time no i, I I haven't had time to play anything for fun, and we're going to be talking about some of the stuff I've been doing, um, playing, you know, in the next section. So, yeah, I have been playing a lot of games for review, and you can check out all my reviews on digitallydownloaded.net. Now, (laughs) back to the Hatsune Wiki music, and then we're going to talk about the games of November.
3: See you. ever happened to my
4: Fransovaine the twist?
0: everybody. Okie dokie. So we're here to talk about the games of November and like I said in the last section or the intro, there is a lot to talk about. November is always the busy month for game releases. Got to get your games out there in time for the Christmas rush and the developers and publishers are certainly doing that this year. So we're going to run through them as quickly as I can. And then we're going to very quickly talk about the ones that we're looking forward to and then we'll get into the the rest of the podcast. Well, this may well end up being the whole podcast given how many games there are. All right. So on PlayStation 5, skipping through the ones that aren't so interesting or aren't so prominent, I guess the first one for people who like their shooty things, there is a Call of Duty coming. That comes out on November 5. It's This is World War II combat like never before. It's called Call of Duty Vanguard, and I won't say anything more about that before I get too angry in at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I've got better things to do then think about Call of Duty. Um, the first interesting game that comes out in PlayStation 5 is Jurassic World Evolution 2. That comes out on November 9, and that is the Frontier development, the um, theme park style Jurassic Park, where you go and breed, breed dinosaurs and research up new dinosaurs, and then have this theme park full of people that come and see the dinosaurs, and they can get out and eat some people, which is pretty cool. And, um, yeah, it's good. The first one was all right. The first one was a decent enough effort. But certainly the best park builder effort that we've seen for Jurassic Park in the past. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Jurassic World Evolution 2 does. Moving on. Uh, skipping through a lot. If you liked Grand Theft Autos on November 11, the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy comes out. That's the, what, Grand
2: Theft Auto 3, 4, and Vice, Vice City, I think. I think it's um, 3, Vice City, and um, San Andreas, because that's usually what they call the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I don't follow the series that closely. <laughs> so <laughs> um, Yeah, those
0: three. Those three coming out in one pack on PlayStation. So there you go. Uh, there's a bat- Battlefield that comes out as well in November because the shooty bags have got to compete with one another. Battlefield 2042 comes out on November 12. There you go. you be um sherlock holmes chapter one comes out on november 16 i quite like the sherlock holmes games um this one could be good i hope they're never top tier triple games by any means but the developer behind them frogwares does a decent job with them so i'm looking forward to seeing how that one turns out um also if you're into your mmo's On November 19, the next expansion for Final Fantasy XIV comes out. This one is Endwalker, and that'll be an awful lot more contents for you to spend a lot of time in. If you ask me, Final Fantasy XIV peaked with Good King Mog, but, um, yeah, I'm sure that'll be very good for people that are still playing that game. I would if I had the time, but I don't, so I just feel bad pain for it. But it is coming out. uh, There there is more more to look forward to coming out on November 19. Scrolling through more. If you're into your Farming Simulator, Farming Simulator 22 comes out in November 22. People love to make fun of that series, and then they play them, and then they get hooked into them big time. (laughs) They're really good games, the Farming Simulator series, and there's something very cathartic about them. So I'm sure this one will be good too. I think this might be the first one that's native for the next generation of consoles. So you'll see a graphical upgrade, one assumes, and so on. Um, but that's, like I said, November 22, scrolling forwards more, we've got some sports games and things happening, which is fine. Uh, Beneath a Steel Sky comes out on November 30. I don't know why I'm interested in that game, but something about it rings a bell. So yeah, it should be there on your agenda, I guess. And that's basically PlayStation 5. That's on the soft end, I guess, of the release schedule, but looking at PlayStation 4, what else we got? We've got Fast and Furious Spy Races of Shifter. Uh, that should be a racing game. That should be fun. In the absence of a. Um, what's the EA one? Need for need Speed. Need for Speed. <laughs> In the absence of a Need for Speed, there is the potential that a Fast and Furious can fill that gap,
2: which should be cool if it those works. Are, those are mostly movies, right? Not games. Well, yeah, that is the series. Fast and Furious is a movie series. Yeah, so they're not known for... Are they known for the games? I don't actually know. I don't know if there has been a game before, has there? Surely there would be. I just don't know if it was good.
0: Well, I will... Um, I'll take your word for it. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but, yeah. that It could be fun. I mean, like I said, there isn't a need for speed coming out. So, if that, for that kind of arcade racer style thing with souped-up cars, that might well be the... Uh, the game for the the month for you. Uh, On November 9, there is Blue Reflection, Second Light, coming out. Now, Blue Reflection is... Second Light is the sequel to the original Blue Reflection, which was a game I didn't actually expect would ever get a sequel. It has. um, I've played it a bit for preview, and I'm playing through it for review now. I think it's a magnificent game. I'll talk about that more when I can. But, yeah, it's excellent if you like your JRPGs. With a dash of fan service and stuff then blue reflection will definitely be there for you
2: do you need to play the first one to play the second one you do not they are oh, linked. nice
0: they are linked in fact one the the main character from the first actually pops in and joins the cast for the second one but the stories themselves are actually self-contained so if you've played the first then you will get the references a little bit more i guess um but you don't need to have to play the second so that would certainly be the hope for Koei Techno, given that the first one sold like dog. Yeah, shit. that's what
2: I mean. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it'd be really uh, brazen to assume people would know the story of the first one.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no way they're going to limit their audience by to to existing Blue Reflection fans. Let's put it that way. Um, okay, on November 16, the Smurfs' mission ViLeaf comes out. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know. I think we talked about the Smurfs last month, didn't we? I think this one may have had its release date pushed back. I think we actually, it was meant to come out last month and we talked about how I have a weird interest in playing a Smurfs game. And yeah, now it's coming out in November 16 and I still have a weird interest in playing it. Speaking of weird interests in, interests in games, Lami comes out on November 16. I have no idea why they've made a Lami game. I remember watching Lami when I was a kid. It was one of those Sunday morning cartoons. I didn't know it still existed. But apparently it does. Never because heard they makes it, it. <laughs> it's um yeah, I I don't know why. I don't know why this this game has happened, but there you go. Um, moving on. Blood Rain revamped comes out on November eighteen. And actually Blood Rain 2 revamped comes out as well on November eighteen. You can play both of them. Those are the HD remasters, I want to call them that. Um Re releases of the PlayStation 2. When did they come out? The original ones are fairly old anyway, and they're quite infamous games um, because you play as a half vampire that goes around chowing down on Nazis, which is pretty cool. And then they made an absolutely terrible film, and that was a UE Bowl film, which was just just the worst thing that almost killed the series so who knows why these have come out i guess they're just dusting off old franchises to see if there's some money in them um but there if you were if you do have fond memories of blood rain then on november 18 you'll be able to remind yourself of that uh we also have farming simulator and end walker come on playstation 4 of course end walker being the final fantasy 14 expansion Asterisk and Obelix, slap them all, comes out on November 25. There's, this has been a month for those B-tier licensed games, <laughs> it looks like. Um, you got Masu Palami, you've got Smurfs, and now you've got Asterix and Obelix as well. I do like Asterix and Obelix. So um, if this game works, then that'll be great. Most of the Asterix and Obelix games don't, but who knows? This one might. Um, and, 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 and that's basically it for... The PlayStation. Now we'll move over to the Switch. On November 1, The Legend of Tian Ding comes out, which is apparently the Taiwanese Robin Hood, which I didn't know until I just read this little description. But I saw this on the eShop and I quite like the art style. And now I'm even more intrigued because it's Taiwanese Robin Hood. This is going to be a cultural game, I think. Just looking at the uh, eShop and stuff, it does look like it's scary to have something to say about culture, which is cool. That comes out on November 1. On November 2, there's an Aussie game coming out that I'd like to bring everybody's attention to, Unpacking. Unpacking is a zen hustle yes. game about pulling possessions out of boxes and fitting them into a new home, which is not a fun experience, but if they can turn a video game into a fun take on that, then good on them. I am looking forward to that. That's actually by the Assault Android Cactus people, so they've pivoted pretty pretty heavily from the action-packed Assault Android Cactus to a Zen puzzle game about unpacking things. That comes out on November 2. On November 2, there is a visual novel coming out that is... It is um, bright and colourful is the best way to describe it. It's called Cupid Parasite. It is an Atome game by Atom Eight. Uh, which Idea Factory themselves are localizing, so Axis usually localizes the Automate games. But, yeah, Idea Factory has taken this one on themselves. It is a very colorful, art deco-themed, kind of uh, romantic comedy, Automate, which is a nice change because a lot of Automate uh, visual novels are quite dense and dark at times. This one is just, well, from what i played so far, it is bright and colorful and energetic and... Quite fun. It is a, uh, it is something else. So keep an eye out for that one. We're moving on. We're skipping over a lot. Uh, a boy and his Bob. A boy and his Bob. A boy <laughs> his blob comes out on November four. This is the way forward remake of the NES original. That was a Wii title, wasn't it? And it was, it was excellent. It's this really happy, colorful platformer puzzle thing. Um,
1: Wait, so it's like a re-release of the wii remake
0: it's isn't? a re-release of the wii remake yes and this game is notable because it has a dedicated hug button which does absolutely nothing else but lets you hug your blob which is just cute and sweet and wholesome and very good so yes that comes out on november 4 uh scrolling through a lot more you can play the fast and furious game we we're talking about earlier on switch as well that comes out on november 5 happy home paradise comes out. For Animal Crossing fans, that's the DLC that comes out on November, November 5. If you are a subscriber to the Switch Online thing, you get that for free, don't you? Yes. That's, that's part of your subscription. So that's a big bit of DLC. That's not just a little content drop. That's a that's a chunky piece of DLC. That it's around
1: import. forty dollars Australian. Like I think yeah. it's like thirty nine something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a substantial thing. So if you are a fan of animal crossing still if you're still playing it every day like trent is then you will definitely be looking forward to the dlc
1: i mean the update with Brewster's is probably a bit better but anyway (laughs) also on november
0: 5th um i'm still scrolling through scrolling through there's a lot of scrolling through you can play blue reflection second life on the switch as well that comes out on november 9 there as well and yeah, if you like your games portable, then that's great. Gus Games are never too console demanding, so it probably doesn't matter if you play it on PlayStation or Switch. We've got Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic coming out on oh, November 11th. I'm
2: so excited. I've been waiting to play that for
0: so long. I am very happy about this. The only time I've actually ever played this game was the iPhone port of it, which was fine, but I'd like to play it with buttons
2: as it was intended. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's on PC, but the PC version apparently takes a lot of hoops to jump through to even get it working. So I never dropped for it. But everyone loves this game, so I'm so excited for it. It is one of Bioware's best. I
0: mean, this is what Bioware came onto after Droppy, uh, uh, after Baldur's Gate. So after they produced Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate Two, this was their next project, and it is very much Baldur's Gate set in space with star wars theme and stuff so yeah it is the it is the better star wars experience as far as i'm concerned because it does put you in that world but at the same time it gives you a full in-depth and um branching narrative style rpg to enjoy as well so yeah definitely look forward to that do not miss that one if you are a fan of gta you can also play that trilogy collection on the switch which is apparently the first time that the mainline GTA games since three have come out on Nintendo or something. Somebody was making a big deal of that. I don't know.
2: I don't care. Who cares? GTA.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, but Chinatown Wars was the best GTA.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. I it was a pretty game.
0: Ch- I did enjoy Chinatown Wars, and you know the funniest thing—the the thing I remember most about Chinatown Wars—is when you come up to a toll booth, there's like this micro game on the DS touchscreen where you had to throw the coins into the into the uh, toll toll booth. For some reason, that's the thing that sticks in my head most about that game because you could do it fast and throw the coins, and you could do like that Blues Brothers moment um, <laughs> where you just toss them and they land in the and you just scream on through. And if you miss, then you haven't paid your toll and you
2: get in trouble and stuff. That was fun. Um, random things that you remember. Matt, you might like Vice City in this trilogy because Vice City is based on like. Believe it or not, I
0: have played played these games.
2: (laughs) I joke about them a lot. I have played
0: these games. They're fine. They're they're, they're just games, you know? Um, I I don't think they're anything particularly special, but they are
2: entertaining, and that's fine. Maybe you've had two fun memories of these, because this is like when I was growing up. (laughs) Probably not good influences for me, but...
0: I mean the the other reason that I'm not that pumped on it is because one day later on November 12, Shin Megami Tensei the five not the what did I say the Shin Megami Tensei the I just said it again five comes out on November 12th.
2: Okay, you're right. This this is way better.
0: Yeah, this is exciting. This I is mean,
1: you could really, always binge really by City and just get up to that game the next day, you know? Nah, <laughs> no. I
0: can't, because I'll be playing Blue Reflection until then, and then I'll be playing Shin Megami then. Um, so, yeah, this is obviously a huge deal for people that like their monster-collecting dark RPGs. I am looking forward to a whole bunch of people who come into the series via Persona being like, well, this game's all dark and tough. Um, yeah, you ain't, no, <laughs> you ain't got nothing yet, you Persona fans. Shimogami is the real deal,
2: and is it Batman. out on other consoles as well, or is it no, just no, it's exclusive Switch? Exclusive Switch. It's actually
0: Nintendo. What? Publish. It's
2: Nintendo published. What? That doesn't a match at all.
0: Nintendo has published it. Well, Nintendo worked with Atlas on. Tokyo oh no, as- yeah, they, they they're
2: Nintendo. good with Atlas. They just mean like the style of game. It's good buddies. They're, they're good. So it. bizarre for the Switch exclusive, but sure, okay, I'm I'm down.
0: Hey. You, you, you don't diss Nintendo's publishing efforts. I mean, they, they were the ones that brought Project Zero Made in a Blackwater to us, don't forget, on the Wii U. They published and I that. reacted the same way when they did that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. Um, if you want something that's a little bit different to your dark RPGs, then also on November 12, Tie the Tasmanian Tiger HD and Tie the Tasmanian Tiger 2 HD collection comes out on Switch. Those awesome. are. 3D platformers that are set in Australia, developed by Australians, and you play as a very Australian mascot character. I actually like those. I don't like 3D platformers, but the Australian thing gets me. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll buy the collection, even though I already have the original Tiger, the Tasmanian Tiger on Switch, I'll buy the collection for the second one, I guess, um, because I haven't got that yet. You can play Smurfs on Switch as well, November 16. You can also play Masupalami on Switch on November 16. We have Star Wars Jedi Knight Collection coming out on November 16. I think those have already been released, haven't they? I swear they're already out, yeah. Yeah, so this is just a collection of two of them together. Uh, There's also Star Wars Racer and Commando. There's another collection combo coming out. Both of those. Yeah, they've been out for a while. Yep. Both of those double packs come out on November 16. They're also physical releases, so if you were waiting on that, then you'll be able to pick them up then. Uh, You'll be able to also play Blood Rain on Switch. This is the first time that the Blood Rain games have been released on Nintendo consoles, so there you go. You'll be able to play those on November 18. Um, They are quite good from my very vague memory. They're definitely B-grade games, but they are entertaining in their own way and it is always fun to vamp on Nazis. That's that's a good thing. Um November nineteen you've got Pokemon coming out. That's a small release. That's that's kinda gonna just drop and nobody's gonna play that I'm sure.
2: Uh it's it's weird to have it a week after Shimukami tensei but okay, I'm down.
0: Yeah, we're going to be collecting monsters like crazy. It's good. We're going to be collecting monsters in our dreams playing all these games. But, yeah, these are remakes of Diamond and Pearl, which were
2: DS? DS games, yeah.
0: These are the best ones, aren't they? Because Piplup's one of the original Pokemon. Yeah,
2: this is the Piplup generation.
0: Yeah, Piplup. Piplup's going to come back. People are going to realize that Piplup is just the best and the most underrated Pokemon of all time. Piplup. Uh, moving on. <laughs> There's a game called 20 Ladies coming out on November 19. <laughs> I don't know what that game's about, but I'm just... Also in...
1: Catching Monsters. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, if only Alan was on the podcast. Um, if you like your racing games, NASCAR comes out on November 19. I've never understood the appeal of uh, NASCAR racing games, because all you're doing is turning left. Yeah,
5: like, that's
0: you just turn left, you turn left, you turn but, left. But you like F1, though, so... Well, but in F1 you turn right sometimes. I know, but it's... You know, <laughs> it's different. I don't
1: there's, see the appeal of that either.
0: There's skill involved because you've got to turn right as well. But <laughs> in NASCAR, in NASCAR, you're an turner.
1: That's why Forza Horizon is the best racing series, because it's all about the open road and doing your own thing and then finding racetracks and doing racetracks. No yes no the only thing i remember about forza was one
0: of the ones that i played when i was when i did have an xbox and i was doing a bit of reviews for that i did have the opportunity to play one of the Forzas. i don't remember which and you had to race against a helicopter no plane one or the other just one of those fast things in the sky and that was just so dumb
1: yes the opening missions are usually like here's a big giant thing race against it
0: yeah, no, I yeah. don't. I don't do this. I don't do it's this. It's meant to so make
1: it. you hyped about the game, you know. But you're, you know, you've got this cool opportunity that you can only have when you're playing Forza Horizon.
2: No. I really <laughs> enjoy that, guys. as you say this, Trent. There's going to be footage of people turning left in NASCAR.
0: <laughs> Just turning left, turning left, turning left for three hundred laps. If anybody, if anybody out there is listening to the podcast, I hope there are people listening to the podcast. I know I know there are, but if anybody would like to explain the appeal to NAS- of NASCAR to me, then please do. I am genuinely interested in why people are keen on such a boring track, and that's the entire experience of that sport. Um, and that's it. That is it for the kind of the releases I want to mention here uh, at at the very end of the month on. November 30, there's a Gear Club Unlimited 2 coming out on Switch, which has already come out on Switch, but this is the definitive edition. I think it has a whole bunch of DLC and stuff. Gear Club was a pretty uh, content-loaded game, as it was. So if you do like your racing games, it's not the world's worst. Um, They're not great, but they're not the world's worst either. So that kind of wraps out the month uh, at November 30. So... Harvard, what is on your, I mean, when we look at that, I know I said at the start, there is an awful lot of games, but it really is the Switch this year, isn't it? Um,
2: this month, this, yeah, this, yeah, the Switch this, really came through this month. I'm looking at the list and I'm going, I want to play all of these.
0: Yeah, November November definitely belongs to the Switch this uh, year, and it's Shin Megami Tensei, it's uh, Pokemon, it's, well, Blue Reflections on the Switch as well. There's a lot of uh, RPG stuff there. Uh, and then in between that, there's a whole bunch of smaller but interesting things as well. Anyway, um, Trent, tell us, what, do you, what are you looking forward to the most for the month?
1: I mean... I'm just going to say Animal Crossing because we all know that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could lie to myself and say, you know, I'm excited for Pokemon, but I'm not really because I want the other Pokemon. And I could say I'm going to play Blue Reflections, but I'm probably not going to play it until December or something like that anyway when it quietens down. And I'm probably only going to be playing like half, the half the games I still haven't finished right now, like The Good Life and all that anyway, into November. So by the time Animal Crossing comes out, It's just going to be like, oh, this is fun and new, and then I'm just going to have to redesign my whole island and live with the fact that it's all going to be in the museum now and no more buildings.
2: That's a good point. All the games that I'm looking at for next month that I want to play look long as hell, so that does sound nice. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of very
0: long games coming out in November. That was the other thing. When I was looking at the list and going, oh, my God, where am I going to find the time this this November, it's because a lot of them are just so lengthy. Um, but yeah, the the Animal Crossing thing does seem like it's a decent, decent addition to it, uh, and um,
5: it's, a huge, really uh, like it's a huge. I really like
1: the Happy Homes. Like, I liked the concept, but I didn't. I hated that it was a separate game, and I hated that it just felt very disconnected from what I already did, all the other stuff, and it just seemed really. It just it's just seemed, seemed like a really nice add-on thing, but it just felt like way too boring because it was its own separate thing. So I feel like as like as like an extra thing can do in the main game, maybe it'll be more fun.
0: Yeah, I'm just disappointed
1: they didn't put the board game in. I like the board game. I mean there's a tiny village of caravans. That's <laughs> Every,
0: fun. Everyone went quiet. Remember the Wii, <laughs> the Wii U board game? What was it called?
1: uh amiibo Amiibo, welcome welcome amiibo what (laughs) animal crossing Crossing welcoming amiibo it was on the on the wii u it was it everyone was upset because uh was it before that game or after that game there was basically this nice yeah it was that game it was essentially oh look how nice and stylish it is you could have animal crossing in this style and it never came out and so everyone was really mad but yeah it's it It
0: was a fun it was a fun little board game I think it wasn't anything special, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. And then you could use the little cards to to bring your favourite characters, not just the amiibos, but also the little card packs that they released to to, to bring your favourite characters into the game. It was it was charming. They need to do that for Animal Crossing as well. Maybe that's a next year DLC thing. Uh Harvard, what about you? What are you looking forward to the most this month? You get to pick one game, you don't get to pick more than one. I yeah, I'm gonna uh,
1: choose
2: one. I'm, Probably going to play Knights of the Old Republic, out of all the ones that I think I'll get to. Shimogami Tensei, I very foolishly decided I'm going to play that series in order, which means that I'm stuck waiting to find a way to play the second one. And I'll probably also okay, fine, fine, Knights of the Old Republic.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you haven't played it before, then you're in for one heck of a ride. Uh, that's, I wish I could play Knights of the Old Republic for the first time again. I didn't realise that's only coming out on Switch. I didn't see it on the other list, but I thought I'd skipped over it. But then I just clicked on it, and it is only coming out on Switch, which is a nice win for Nintendo. Switch um, is getting a weird amount of retro
2: Star Wars games. Well, it has got all of them now, pretty much. I kind of just assumed there's, there's an infinite amount of them, so I haven't been paying attention to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of Star Wars games. But, yeah, Switch has got all the good ones. Star Wars Racer was a good one. Um, the Jedi Knight Collection was good. But I can't remember if that collection took out the multiplayer did it don't know can't remember it was the multiplayer i liked in those games anyway um yeah okay so for me i am going to go well obviously blue reflection i can't not um i <laughs> i am the world's biggest fan of blue reflection and i'm very confident with making that claim but the other one i want to mention is cupid parasites and I did say at the start, it was this really art deco, bright, colorful, crazy in your face, colorful game. Uh, and I'm really, really digging it. It's got a heck of a soundtrack, too. It's just so different in vibe to a lot of the other Automate uh, games. So I know it is a vision novel and a lot of people are just going to ignore it because of that. But yeah, don't skip this one. Just go and look at screenshots and stuff and you will see it is it is something it is just yeah it's great i'm really digging that so i'm going to mention that one yeah all right so we're going to go to some music we're going to go to some music from you know what neo the world ends with you we're going to get some music from that one because it's not exactly the same music as cupid paradise but cupid paradise has a similar kind of energy about the music soundtrack so that's why i'm picking this one so yeah neo yes it's good music
4: place I'm I'm about to wake up, let it begin. Watch it burn, like a flying bird. I'm coming back until the world is yours, the world be mine. One step closer to the edge. I'm about to wreck, so I'm ready. If you're let play, the game is out, so bring it up. If you don't know me, so I'll show you. Now you know me, I'll pull through. I'm ready to take you. I'm right in front of you. everybody right
0: so for the next section of our little podcast today we're going to talk about the nintendo 64 which is great i love talking about the nintendo 64. um as of last week when we record this podcast nintendo dropped the expansion pack for um the online service and that allowed you to buy your way into a big collection of n64 and mega drive or genesis games so a lot of people have been playing the N64 games, there has been a whole bunch of discourse on the internets about whether those the collection is worth it, whether it's good value for money, the quality of the emulation, uh, and whether, yeah, whether it's any good. Um, but I find that discourse to be very annoying because it is very good. <laughs> and we all actually played a good session of... Um, Of N64 last night. That's why we're a little bit tired today because we we played for a solid couple of hours of of, uh, classic multiplayer, and it was really nostalgic. It was taking me right back to the day where I would somehow be able to stay up until four or five in the morning the next day and uh, just play N64 on Friday, come home from school or whatever, sit down, get the friends together, get some drinks, not alcoholic at the time because I was at school, Uh, and yeah, just. Play Golden GoldenEyes and Perfect Arcs and Bomberman 64s and stuff uh, for many, many, many hours. So, yeah, it was really good. Uh, and we had a good time with, the, uh, with the, the emulation quality or the internet connection. We only had, what, one game, I think it was, where there was a noticeable issue.
1: And that was near the end, and it was like right when you're, you're going to kill Harvard anyway. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, saved we're by, playing, saved we're, by the <laughs> lag.
0: We we're, were playing Winback for, uh, we, we played like 20 games of Winback, which is just great. I loved Winback as a kid and I uh, never thought I'd play the multiplayer of Winback again, but there I was playing it. And yeah, we had maybe one match in that where there was any kind of lag from, we weren't sure if it was the Nintendo service or the MBN or one of our internet connections. But yeah. Other than that, it was all silky smooth. It was good fun. That was the first time you guys have played
2: with back, wasn't it? Yeah, I've never heard of it before this system, but it's a really good game. I was surprised because I I've heard all the things about how Golden Knight hasn't aged very well, and I can imagine controller based shooters before I'm guessing Halo might not have been very well to control. But no, Windback just works really well. It's the it's really clean, makes a lot of sense. You can roll everywhere; it's great.
0: Yeah, Goldeneye does not a has not aged well at all. I did try and play some Goldeneye on the actual N64 about probably about two years ago now, and the fact that you have to use the the little yellow buttons on the controller to control movement, while you use the one control stick that you've got, uh, which is the one in the middle of the controller to do aiming. That just sends my head in a spin because that because usually I'm used to using my left hand and the control stick to control movement, right? And mo- mapping that to the right hand while using aiming with the control, it just it it it's a nightmare to play. But win back is very smooth and
1: very easy. No, Matt, you have to admit the aiming in win back is just confusing. <laughs> oh, well, but there's auto aim, so you just you just don't aim.
0: Yeah, man- manual aim is not great. Um, but in the game, manual aim is really only there to target kind of um, uh, particular non-enemy entities like laser power buttons and stuff to to shut them off so you can move on. When you're actually fighting enemies, the auto aim is meant to do all the heavy lifting. And I think that generally works. I mean, the, the only issue I have with the the game itself in the single player is the AI is absolutely terrible, as you would expect for what is basically the first cover shooter that was out there, really. Winback pioneered a lot. We wouldn't have Gears of War if it wasn't for Windback. Um, and, yeah, so the AI is not great. But obviously, multiplayer, when you're against human intelligence, the, <laughs> it's a little bit different. I, I really liked how active it was. It was a very kind of fast-paced um, multiplayer experience with the split screen and the small arenas. Yeah, it's
2: it's very... It's interesting playing shooting games from that era because it's a bit of a Wild West when there hasn't been a game to come and define exactly what the genre should feel like. So everyone just kind of went their own way. Winback is so weird because there's no lives. You just... Once you get hit, you're supposed to run away. And also, the guy who hit you runs away too, so you can't shoot them back. And I mentioned this yesterday. It feels like laser tag because it isn't... It isn't high stakes if you get seen you die. It's fast and frenetic and you're running around and just chasing people and it's it's so different.
1: Well the levels are tiny, like Mario like cart battle arenas. Like they're not huge, like I mean Goldeneye levels aren't really that huge, but like you know, they're not like expansive sort of multi-room, multi-doors. You could be like, you know, at the other end of a level while everyone else is battling it out in one section. Like you just need to walk around the corner and then you know, there's, you know, you guys shooting each other, and I'm just like, I'm just going to blow up the blocks next to you. Yeah, that's
2: true. <laughs> and that's another thing that Halo ruined when they dropped on Xbox is that all the heights become, it became enormous.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no room to hide in Winback, that's for sure. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep active. You've got to keep kind of uh, your eyes on where everybody is and and um, what's going on all around you all the time because there, there is nowhere to hide. But there is, the, the level's though they're small, they are quite interesting in terms of their design. Like, I really love the levels where there's a second level, um, a a vertical element to it, and you can jump off the ramps and escape your opponents that way. Like, there was one one that I really enjoyed where you were trying to run away from me, Harvard, and I had a shotgun, um, and I shot you, like, three times in the back, which was pretty funny. Um, (laughs) And then I kind of jumped off the uh, platform that we were on because Trent – showed up behind me and he was going to to shoot me in the back so yeah it was it was good fun um that that was great then we uh we also obviously that's not the only multiplayer game that was dropped in this n64 collection there was also mario kart which was excellent
2: um, i'm still not convinced i i still you're think not convinced. mario kart 8 is the way to go well, it, it really surprises me maybe it's because i'm young so i grew up on the ds version but there's just a lot of concessions that the more modern games have ironed out, and the N64 one just doesn't feel as clear.
1: Well, even wow. the levels. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I love the N64 levels, that sort of thing, or whatever. But, like, I always found the 64 had the most boring, driest levels. Like, even, like, even the SNES I don't really like, because it's, like, flat, but, like, that's just, like, the nature of the beast i guess but like the 64 it just like some levels are cool but a lot of them i hate like the the rocky mountain level where yeah it's so long long, it's so boring even on the ds (laughs) i hated that
0: Trent, trent you don't you don't like the n64 levels because you kept driving into the water
1: Yes, I went down, I went down, like, I, I accidentally fell off the road, I went into the grass, and then I'm like, okay, cool, I'll just use a little bit of, like, you know, extra power to get to the road, and then I'm on the road, and I'm like, oh, yes, I need a turn, and then, like, five seconds later, I'm, like, in the water instead, and I did that, like, f- like every single lap in that spot.
2: <laughs> That's the other thing, the out-of-bounds animation is so long in N64 compared to the more modern games. It's just, it, it's not as fine-tuned, I think. They haven't had the expertise to make a party game feel really conducive and frenetic. And I think that's also because this is the first 3D Mario Kart, I think? It was the first 3D Mario Kart. I mean, the the only
0: one before. It was actually the second Mario Kart ever made because it came after the, uh, the Super Nintendo one and the GBA one hadn't been released yet. So it was the second Mario Kart. Um, but yeah, I thought th- that was the Mario Kart I kind of grew up with, so I had really positive memories of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I-, I think for me, what I really like about that N64 one is that it's not too item-based in the sense that the later Mario Karts have become really over the top with that item stuff. And... It just it becomes the crap show of just throwing items at one another until somebody stumbles over the end the the exit line or the the victory line. Um, whereas with the n sixty four one there was a bit of a more balance between skill and uh, items to to keep things fair. So for me that was that was a key difference. Um, that's what I really liked about getting back into it uh, the the n sixty four one. I also really like the battle mode in the n sixty four one. I have really fond memories of that. We played that a lot when I was, of, you know, younger, on the actual N64. And uh, Blockford in particular was just one of our high-rotation multiplayer experiences, and having that, it, being able to play that again was, was really great. Um, what else did we play? We played Lilac Walls briefly,
2: we played a couple of rounds of that. I don't think you got into that one very much, Harvard. Uh, Fox 64, the single-player, is amazing. It's top-notch. The multiplayer uh you don't have to play it's not a big deal <laughs> it's, yeah it's interesting because dogfighting games would work well at, a, at a, 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 script, a split screen level it's just with the little screen it's kind of hard to figure out where you're going and how where you sit compared to all the other players it's just it doesn't feel very tight or smooth whereas i'm sure there's a dog fighting game out now currently which has online multiplayer and not split screen and that would be a lot more fun
0: yeah i mean i think what i liked about star fox 64 or lilac wars whatever you want to call it was called lilac wars here for licensing reasons i think or rights reasons or something there was some reason that they had to call it lilac wars here in australia
2: yeah the era Um, and they would never title the games the same thing in powell and in North america
0: yeah, yeah. I've been having that experience actually trying to talk about Project Zero when all the Americans are like, but what game are you talking about? And then I have to say, oh, it's Fatal Frame. It's oh, f-
1: that one.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, uh, yeah, Lila Wars is a terrible name anyway. So I'm glad that on the N64 collection has actually been called Star Fox 64. They've got over that problem for this re-release. Anyway, um, the dog fighting actually, the thing that I like about it is that it can be quite strategic. When you get into when you start doing the barrel rolls to escape from your opponents, and uh, you've got all kinds of tricks that you can use to try and stay out of their range of their homing attacks and and all that, and everybody kind of collects to uh, in the one spot to try and grab the bomb because the bomb's particularly powerful. I do like all of that. Uh, I thought I think the action flows pretty well. I'm not such a big fan of the single player, funnily enough, because I'm not very good at those kinds of games. So, yeah, uh, the, the multiplayer is, is more my kind of jam with Star Fox. Um, unfortunately, we hadn't unlocked the other options because you with with that, you can actually also play as tanks and individual people, I think. Was um, that N64
2: or was that yeah, um, the GameCube one?
0: That was the N64 one. You were able to... I'm pretty sure it was the N64 one. You could unlock um, the ability to, to drive around in a tank rather than have uh, an aircraft or be... A foot soldier, I think. I'm pretty sure it was the N64 one that had those as unlocks when you'd finished the single-player game. So that was something we couldn't play. But, yeah, we played a couple of games of that. Um, I played Trent in Mario Tennis. Was that the first time you played Mario Tennis, Trent? Uh,
1: yeah, the 64 version, yeah. I, I've, I've played them on your ones, like on like the Wii and the Switch and stuff like that. But, yeah, def- definitely, definitely first time playing the 64 version. <laughs> what was
0: it like going back to the old one the original mario tennis
1: it just didn't seem as smooth like i i like thought i'd have a little bit more connection with the ball even if i'm like ages away if that makes sense so i thought i'd be able to like jump and actually hit the ball more elegantly whereas if i like jump i'm like oh i'm like nowhere near it anyway (laughs) and i and i think you can run on the newer ones as well like i couldn't figure out if i could run or not so
0: no, there's no run button on the N64 one. <laughs> it's a it's a much more kind of cut down. I mean, it, obviously because it was the first and it was a more primitive one. But uh, I think the thing is the later the later Mario Tennis games. The issue I have with them is similar to the issue I have with later Mario Kart games. They become such an item based free for all, or not so much items in Mario Tennis, but power up based free for all, and it's just. Everyone throws power ups at one another until somebody eventually falls over, and that's how you win a point in the later Mario tennises. But in this one, it's um it's an it's an arcade take on tennis, but it is nonetheless recognisably tennis rather than power up based. So that's what I really liked about that. Um, and sorry, I beat you on that one, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't realise that you were new to it, and uh, my muscle memory was kicking in pretty badly.
1: So. <laughs> I mean, there were some stages where we were evolving it pretty well, and... We had know. a couple of good rallies at the end, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time.
2: Um, what else did we play? We played Dr. Mario, which we won't do again. Yeah, we won't talk about that one. But can <laughs> I mention, Sin and Punishment is such a good game. Everyone should... Oh, you've
1: been playing that, have you?
2: Yeah, it's it's so good. And it's honestly worth the entire N64 package, because it's rare, I think. Well, um, it was never it was never released in English. That's the thing. That's probably... Oh, is that
0: why? Yeah, so it was this game that had a legendary reputation in Japan on its original release. And everybody was hoping it would get releasing into into English, but they never did. And then they localized it for the first time for the virtual console release on Wii. Which oh, I remember I, this
2: now, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: and people got really excited about that because they could finally experience this classic. Uh, I didn't play it then. I played it my first time with this N64 collection as well. And that is definitely not my genre, <clears throat> but... I think it's amazing, like you. I've, th- it's just an incredible game. We should definitely play that because we didn't get a chance to play the multiplayer in that. It's got two-player multiplayer there as well. We should hook up and
2: uh, give that one a go because I, re- I reckon that'd be a blast to play in multiplayer. Yeah, it's so much fun because it's like a rail shooter, but the environments and the enemies and everything are so creative. It feels like a little bit like um time crisis in the arcades where you're just always moving forward, always got some giant, crazy enemy shooting at you. And it's just, uh, it's so good. They don't make games like this anymore. It's, it's just, it's such an incredible experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely, I mean, the rail shooter has definitely died away big time. Um, I, I remember back then, I mean, if you wanted to play rail shooters, even back on the N64, you basically had to go to the arcade because the home consoles weren't really great mm-hmm. at at, emulating the kind of movement that you needed to cover the screen, you know, uh, at precision and speed, like you would with a kind of gun peripheral. So the fact that they managed to get that to work so nicely on the N64 is just amazing. It's just such a... It is it is just such a vividly creative game. Um, I, I, I've only played a couple of levels on it so far, but I'm definitely looking forward to digging into it a lot more. But to talk about Dr. Mario again, <laughs>
5: <laughs>
0: you really didn't have a good time with this one but uh, were
2: you play i've never played dr mario before ever like, oh, uh, like not even any dr mario games
0: no i played um the only the only dr mario i played was the luigi one on the wii u oh, on the wii u <laughs> Back when they didn't have any wii u games <laughs> and i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of that either i must admit i played um mean bean machine which is basically the same thing. Um, Oh, no, hang on. Mean Bean. mean Bean Machine is more Columns, isn't it?
2: No, I think Columns is more Columns. <laughs> columns is Sega's answer to Tetris.
0: That's right. Anyway, um, Mean Bean Machine I played. That's also on the Genesis collection, actually. But, yeah, i would never played Dr. Mario games. Um, and I did not even know that this one existed on the N64. I, I didn't realise there was a dedicated Dr. Mario release on the N64 until I played this one. And, yeah... I could see it working as single player. I think I might give it a go as a single player thing, but as a multiplayer thing, it wasn't that interesting. Certainly, Tetris has done a better job of making a compelling multiplayer um, puzzle game experience. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dr. Mario is excuse the pun. It's a bit therapeutic in that <laughs> you're 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 you start with this really chaotic board and you're slowly chipping away at it until you eventually clear it all out and it just it feels good to go through that process i just didn't think that it would be fun to do that with people next to you as a race i feel like that just takes away from the appeal of that kind of gameplay
0: yeah yeah i think so i think so um anyway i will try and find some time to give the single player a bit more of a go i did quite like the visuals of it i thought it had a nice style about it so
2: who knew it had an extra 15 characters
0: yeah, I don't know. We i be at the in the multiplayer character select screen there was all these characters that I've never heard of before. So there seems to be some kind of um uh canon <laughs> to Doctor no, exactly, Mario,
2: like Mario extended universe.
0: Yeah, there, there's there's a whole bunch of uh stuff in the Doctor Mario world that I've never known about. This is a side of Nintendo I've never seen before. So yeah, that was that was nice, but that's kind of the point of these collections, isn't it? It gives you a chance to play games that you wouldn't otherwise, like yeah, on I the Genesis. Never played Winback. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Winback's a great one. A lot of people are discovering that for the first time.
1: I've never um, played Winback.
0: <laughs> on, on the on the Genesis collection, for example, there's Fantasy Star Four, and I've never played Fantasy Star Four. I love One through Three, but I've never touched the fourth one. Uh, so I can't wait to get stuck into that. That's going to be a,
2: another thing for me. Um, i've been told that four is a very very good game like yeah show I is a game the, that you tolerate because it's got such a reputation but four is just actually a good game
0: well that's the kind of thing it's like everyone loves one in the same way that people kind of love the first final fantasy it's just it started the the franchise as such the second one was infamous rather than yeah, it's this, comically
2: difficult so you yeah. play it to so hurt yourself
0: yeah yeah it's, it's a game that's not necessarily beloved but it's certainly uh famous the third one I think people generally agree
2: is not good. But... The third one's confusing and no one plays it, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then the fourth one, I've heard people kind of describe it as the Final Fantasy VI of the fantasy stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's is...
2: just a good game.
0: Yeah. So I can't wait to get stuck into that. Uh, that's over on the Genesis. And I, I love that the Genesis is there. And even here in this podcast, we're talking about the N64. Everybody's kind of ignored the fact that Mega Drive or Genesis is is a big part of that collection as well people are talking oh how the how did nintendo charge you know an extra 30 bucks per year for access to the n64 but no you actually get access to the to another whole console worth of stuff there and there's some really good games on there as well there's echo the dolphin
2: there's alex kid is there now is there an access- Alex? Alex. i think there's, the the thing with the genesis games though is that because sega's already released that collection and i think nearly every game in the Nintendo package has already been re-released elsewhere on something else. So I didn't feel excited for it because I kind of just already played them all. But you'd not win back. (laughs) No, I mean, N64 is brand new, but all the Genesis games have been out on the the Mega Drive collection or whatever, which is still a great collection. It still has games that the Nintendo service doesn't have yet. And you should still go buy that one because that one is so much better.
1: Yeah, Plus, most that. people don't have nostalgia for the Sega consoles, like it was even Nintendo or Sega, like it wasn't like now where it's like, I've got an Xbox, a PlayStation, a Switch, it was like, you have one, that's all you get. I have nostalgia, <laughs> I, I had a Master System at the daycare
2: I was at, so that's those are the games that I know, I know about Alex Kidd, I know about um ducks or something, this is one game where you're a duck and you shoot machine guns. That
1: sounds good. I'm I was like playing that. briefly one of the games, you're, like, a monkey thing. Like, you grab, you use your hands to, like, grab, like, the levels and, like, climb.
5: Right.
1: It, was, it looks, it looks almost, yeah, I probably was start. It was almost like Sonic, but it was, like, you're, like, climbing things. Yeah, Rice Star was the game where you grab things with your hands. Yeah,
0: Rise is on the collection, so
1: there you go. Um, but to, to jump back to the N64, of the ones
0: that we haven't talked about, because obviously, like I said, we had this big multiplayer session where we just got stuck into that side of things. Trent and Harvard indulged my nostalgia while they discovered a whole bunch of games for the first time. Uh, there are a couple of single-player-only games that were also in the collection. So there is Mario 64, which I don't quite get the point of. I guess now we know why
2: Nintendo pulled the Mario collection um, off the stores earlier in the year. The, the only thing to learn from this situation is that those decisions will never make any sense, and we're never going to be able to play Galaxy ever again.
0: Yeah, so there's that. Um, but yeah, Mario sixty four is obviously a classic game, so having it there is is not a problem. I guess it's just um, it's a bit pointless if you already got the Mario collection. Ocarina of Time, which of course is the highest rated game of all time according to Metacritic, and it's not it does have a genuine claim to be. You know the best game of all time, I guess. Um, having that there is certainly a good thing. We've already played it plenty of times, I guess. Uh, it was released on the 3DS as the
2: with the 3D remake and stuff.
0: Um,
1: yeah, the better versions on the 3DS, just yeah, like the Joris
2: because they made a really good version of it for the 3DS, and now we're just not gonna get that. We're gonna get the original N64 version,
1: which well, N- we're thankful for,
2: but yeah, I mean, I,
0: I. It's, it's a bit like Mario 64, you know, I'm glad it's there. It kind of made, wouldn't have made sense if it wasn't there because it is just such an iconic N64 game. But whether I actually play it through on this version or not, I don't know, because I've just played the game through so many other times and I still have the 3DS one if I want to play that version instead. Uh, there's also Yoshi's Story, which is great. Uh, and I funny, funny story, I, I mentioned... That this collection had dropped to a bunch of friends who aren't really Switch owners, that uh, they don't play games that much, but they were into right into the N sixty four, and this guy was absolutely furious with Yoshi's Story back in the day because it, he paid full price. It was like a hundred dollar game or whatever, and you can run through Yoshi's Yoshi's Story in like two hours. It's a very short game if you just run through you know level one through to the end of the game, uh, and yeah, he was he that, that was the first thing he brought up is like Yoshi's story was such a waste of my money <laughs> like 20, 20 years later it's still it's still frustrating um uh, that he that he went and spent you know, his limited amount of money because we were all you know, on allowances back then and he spent his limited amount of money on this game that didn't give him much
2: content but yeah, that was when game length did matter and now in 2021 we can spend 30 bucks for the n64 collection and if you add all the hours you get like what like 300 hours. Well, that was what I was about to say. I mean, I think the one issue
0: people had with Yoshi's story, and it was certainly not just him, my friend. It was it was a comment that was common across you know, most of the reviews and stuff that were out of that game at the time. The one issue, the one major issue that people had with that game was the length. But that doesn't that's not an issue when it's in a collection like this, you know, because it's just uh, it, it is one game, and if it only lasts you three or four hours or whatever it takes to play through then you can go and play something else. It's not like that's your entire experience for what you've invested your money in. So I think that's a really, it's an opportunity for people to discover a game they may have missed because the reviews told them that they weren't gonna get much money, value for money out of it. So when you actually play Yoshi's Story, it is just the most adorable game. It is just such a bright, happy game. And I'm I'm really happy to say that it's held up really nicely uh, today it's still bright it's still very happy it's still very colorful it's uh it is very much the same experience i remember playing back on the n64 so yeah and it, it directly led on to what yoshi's become since even though that one doesn't have the uh craft style aesthetics it is more just a color kind of colorful platformer you can see where yoshi evolved from that point so there you go and this is all just stuff that's in the initial wave. There's still a bunch of games coming that Nintendo's already announced. Um, there's Mario Golf, which is a just a, it's an amazing, amazing game. Mario Golf that's coming soon enough. We'll be able to play that in multiplayer too. Uh, there's also Kirby, the Kirby N64 games on the agenda. Uh, Majora's Mask is coming. Banjo Kazooie
2: is, isn't it? Banjo Kazooie's coming. I think they announced it. Yeah.
0: Um, I can't. Oh, and of course, Paper Mario is coming as
2: well. Paper Mario be good, Smash is coming. Smash is not coming. Isn't it? No. I swear, I saw that. Yeah, okay, no,
0: S- Smash is definitely not coming. Why would Nintendo wouldn't get any value out of releasing Smash anyway? Because they're still flogging the actual Smash Brothers that they released on the the Switch. I mean, that oh, Smash Brothers. Good, it, it is a bit of a pity because that Smash Brothers was great. Um, I spent a lot of time playing that Smash Brothers, probably more time spending playing that one than later Smash Brothers games actually, just because time and place and we were re- regularly doing the, the nighttime gaming sessions back then. But yeah, even though there were only 10 characters in that Smash, there's a lot of spirit and soul and it was,
1: it was a great game for its time. No, I'm a, I'm a melee generation. Melee was good too, definitely. I, oh. I am too, but oh, Smash 4 it's had its so own value. Pokemon Snap's
2: coming. That's oh, game. yeah, that's coming. That'll be good.
0: Yeah, so people who enjoyed the new Pokemon Snap can go back and relive how good the original one was as well. Good game, Pokemon Snap. Another one that kind of fits this collection because it was also a game that was criticized for being too minimal in content back in the day. You could finish that Pokemon Snap in a couple of hours as well. But again, in the context of a collection, it's not such an issue. But, okay, so we should probably get a wrap on all of this. Just uh overall, I mean, what are your impressions on this N64 collection? Do you think because like I said at the start of the section, a lot of people have been complaining about the price of it and whether the uh the emulation quality's been good, whether it's playable. A lot of people saying, oh this is so unplayable, I should just pirate the the games instead. I mean what are your thoughts on it?
1: I've been always saying that, you know, you're paying for like, you know, the the switch no no you're not paying for the switch online you're getting the games free all the other way around. i don't know what i was saying but but basically basically when people were like oh i'm not getting value out of one i was always saying well the value's in the other half and you know the the switch online in general is getting a lot better like there's a it's a lot more thought out these days and you know i i, I think there's a place for in general what nintendo's doing with the switch online. I going away from like the virtual consoles for a bit. You've got things like the animal crossing DLC coming into the to into the package of like the premium membership. And so obviously at some point there's going to be more and more DLC into that premium price point so you're going to be looking at okay well premium offers me dlc for a bunch of games i may or may not play but it also offers me you know a collection of 64 it also means a collection of you know the genesis it offers like maybe you know gamecube will eventually come or you know some Game Boy advance games or something like you know that eventually the price point will look very more competitive and exciting and in general i think it works well as a product it just needs more stuff right now like you know the
0: other thing thing to remember is that even though it is uh sixty dollars a month in a a year sixty dollars a month would be a bit crazy sixty dollars a year in australia which works out at five dollars a month um and people are saying oh it's just the n64 it's actually not because that collection also still includes the super nintendo and nintendo games as well Altogether, you get about 150 games, I think, at this point, uh, across the four consoles that are represented in, in the collection. And I think that's pretty good value. I, mean, I think like, like
1: usual, Nintendo fans hype themselves up to something which wasn't going to happen or is eventually going to happen, which was that they wanted the Game Boy Games collection. I said
0: I really, really want the GBA on this thing as well. Um, I hope that when Nintendo does it, if they do, they don't add yet another expansion cost to it. (laughs) We we
2: will be paying 60 a month for all of those.
0: People would lose their mind over that completely. But I think the GBA um, would be a natural fit for the Switch anyway. It kind of annoys me that it's not there already uh, because it was on the Wii U, and if the Wii U can do this, then why can't the Switch? But, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I'm kind of waiting for at this stage. I'm happy with the service as it is. Uh, I was really happy just to find that it all played. Like, I was concerned going into our multiplayer session yesterday that all those stories on Twitter and whatever were true and we were going to have this unplayably laggy, you know, nightmare experience.
2: But we didn't have that at all. And that that made me happy. That's the one thing that I really like about this collection is this a lot of these games do live on their multiplayer. And if you get an independent release, a re-release of these titles, like of Turok or with um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, you can't trust a, I guess, a, a smaller, Square Enix is much smaller, but like a smaller developer to have that same kind of online framework. Whereas for Nintendo to have all these games in one place and to easily send an invite to someone and say, hey, you want to play some Mario Kart and maybe some win back later, like that's just such a great value package. I would absolutely recommend it if you have people who will play it with you.
0: Yeah, I hope they do get a couple more of the multiplayer classics on there. I mean, I think Mario Party is probably not going to happen, given that they just released it. Because they just re-released it, yeah. They just re-released the best of Mario Party kind of game. But I'm thinking stuff like Bomberman 64. Bomberman 64 was a blast in multiplayer. That was just, that was a lot of fun. It was a terrible single-player game, but the multiplayer was just great. And I would love to see that make its way onto this collection there's no reason it can't given that the licenses haven't changed or anything like that. Uh, and I I would also like to see, I mean, Gauntlet Legends is a little bit of a difficult one, but we played a lot of Gauntlet Legends back on the N64. That was a kind of arcade RPG style thing. And it really worked on the switch in four player as well. Once, like you said, Harvard, uh, the game doesn't work so well in single player because the N64 was very much built about that multiplayer experience. But this, online system that they've got allows you to play any of these games on multiplayer, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, so of Legend would be another one. I'd also love to see some of those arcade sports games come as well. NBA Hangtime was great on the N64. Um,
2: Wayne it's really Gretzky's... Such a licensing nightmare.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's also a licensing nightmare, unfortunately. And Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey, also a licensing nightmare, but it was great on the N64 as well. There, there's still potential for this thing to continue to expand, I guess, is is the point. Uh, and hopefully they do. I mean, they've got a they got some incredibly obscure games onto the Super Nintendo collection on the Switch. Um, So there's no reason that they can't see some of those more obscure 64 games as well. Maybe we'll get Castlevania 64. That'd be fun, right?
1: And we start all over again with the Switch 2. <laughs> yes, I'm
0: sure. I'm, I'm hoping all of that transfers across when they do the Switch it's 2. Not, it worked not It definitely worked. Yeah. They,
1: but like, as much as Matt hates where Xbox is, as you know, games as a service for, like, all their subscription services, like, Nintendo really needs to do that with VC. Like, it just needs to be, you pay your subscription, you get VC, and you just get, like, everything in their retro collection, and it just occasionally gets more games added each month, and it continues the life of extra consoles. Like, they really just need to do that. <laughs> I think that's what they're doing with this, isn't it? That's kind of basically mean- the point this generation but next generation is going to be something different and then we're going to start again and then we're going to play you know the same free you know nintendo well i 64 mean, games again
0: <laughs> we're, we're we're assuming there we don't know i mean nintendo has got the infrastructure in this to make it transfer from one console to the next so we'll just have to wait and see i guess but uh, for now anyway yeah jump onto those n64 games enjoy them and definitely play win You'll see it there. You probably want to play Zelda or something instead, but play Windback. Trust me. Um, okay, music. We'll go to some music from... Uh, Winback. We'll get, Winback. Winback. Winback's music's not the
2: good. The Winback music is so good. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's great. What are you talking
5: uh, about? It's like 90s no one's
0: gonna, drum bass. No one's going to be bopping to those tunes, dude.
1: Um, <laughs> no one's going to recognise it yet. We're going with the uh, Yoshi story. We're going to go with the Yoshi story oh, music. Yeah, it's probably a safer choice.
0: That's gonna milk people's brains and that amuses me. Okay, so we'll do that, we'll come back and we're gonna talk about Pokemans. everybody okay so for the last section of a little podcast today or a very big podcast we had a lot of talk about this month um we're going to talk about pokemons because the new pokemon well the remake of the old pokemon game comes out this this coming month and we all like our pokemons here so we're just going to talk about pokemons
2: um we'll start harvard uh what what are your thoughts about this remake are you excited about it i'm excited because it is these games i think I spent a lot of time on these games because they were designed to eat your time. So I'm really excited to go back and explore all the, to be honest, kind of stupid mechanics that they introduced in gen four, like the honey trees and the safari zone. They're all kind of bad, but they take up a lot of your time.
5: And that, it's interesting to hear was that, that. one was
2: it? Yeah, this is the honey tree um, mud generation, like the stupid giant mountain fall into snow. It's just a frustrating generation. But because they grew up with it, I have a soft spot for it.
0: Right. I, you know what? I really don't remember much about Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> um, I, I just don't remember. Is this the one where they started to do the beauty contests?
2: No, beauty contest was Generation 3. Diamond Gen and Pearl. had
1: quite a lot. It was crazy.
2: Gen 3 was the one where there was just a lot of water. And you were surfing around and going to the underwater routes and stuff. Gen four was the one where there's the giant volcanic mountain in the middle, and all your routes are going through this mountain. You yeah, but Gen three accounts. had that as
1: well. Like you had <clears> the top <throat> of the mountain on the left hand side, you sort of had the volcanic mountain, and What's then you had Jim? to and What's then you Jim? had to walk on yep. the snow, and it was like collecting into the glass.
2: You'll have to give me actual title names. I don't know the gens. Oh, Di- Diamond and Pearl. We're, we're talking about some um, Ruby and Sapphire as Generation three. Yeah, I agree with Trent. There's the the mountain there, but it's mostly an ocean map. Whereas in Generation Four, the mountain is uh, Diamond and Pearl. The mountain is right in the middle, Mount Coronet. You get into it from after the second badge, and you're going all the way through it up to the top, across all different directions, all through the game. This mountain is just everywhere.
1: Oh, this is the one where it, like, takes you in a weird path, isn't it? So, like, you go to the left for a bit, and then you're like, nah, and then you go, like, back, you backtrack, and then you go through the mountain. Yeah, yeah, you go through the mountain so many
5: times.
2: And there's that fog zone that everyone hates, and, yeah, what a frustrating generation. I love it so much.
0: (laughs) Right. So, this one, this, I mean, I'm not that into the whole pokey culture. (laughs) Um, I, I really enjoy the games. I love Pokemon as games, but I gen- generally play them as single player and I don't really follow the conversations because as something I, I have definitely learned that the Pokemon fan base is toxic beyond measure. Oh, yes, and don't, don't I do them. not I do not delve into that. I was I was the guy that gave Pokemon Sword and Shield a five out of five rating and I still cop it from Pokemon fans sometimes. <laughs> How dare I like a game? How dare I enjoy something? Um they're they're terrible people. Pokemon fans are just <laughs> <laughs> terrible people but um yeah so i don't
2: follow it that closely was this were these games not that well regarded they were when on their release and retrospectively they're not as well regarded as some of the other ones it depends on when you grew up with them as well i see
1: see i found I... The, the reverse i found that like everyone liked you know the original two And then the third generation with your Ruby and your Sapphire, that was the start of the decline. And then Diamond and Pearl was like, you know, it was just too crazy. There was too much happening. And then after that, we had Black and White. And Black and White was the big reboot it was yeah people big. Love everyone's back into the game everyone's excited for pokemon again like I, I feel like yeah this is just the game right before it and i don't know why people are excited for it
2: <laughs> i mean remakes are remakes they're still pretty good it's always nice to go back to somewhere you're familiar to and see how they've touched it up and i think matt you'll like this as well because generation four's Sinnoh know, has a kind of old japan vibe there's a lot of history to the area. And it's also the region where they started to think about why the world exists the way it does. So you visit a lot of areas that make sense in the story and the culture of this environment. You go to when iron works and you go to like a, I think a power, like a wind power plant and you meet people who feel like they've lived here for a while. Whereas in the first two generations, it was just kind of you're on an adventure and the world doesn't matter as much.
0: Yeah, I definitely remember that this game they did try to start to put more effort into telling some kind of story i mean the first the first couple of pokemon games were very much okay go to the next town uh, battle the gym trainer oh you've won that battle good on you move on to the next one. Oh, sure there's the rocket guys or whoever the enemies are in that one and you eventually have one dungeon equivalent where you get to to face off against them and defeat the evil organization plaguing the world but the the general thrust of them was just you're on this kind of a journey and you get to go on the fantasy where you collect all the Pokemon and battle gym trainers and then they take on the Elite Four. Definitely by the time... I definitely remember Pearl being the game where they started to do a little bit more with that. Yes, you still had the Elite Four and you still did all of that stuff. But at the same time, you did have more narratives woven into it and the world was designed to be a little bit more than a series of breadcrumbs that you were following. So, yeah, I,
2: I, I did like that. Um, but mostly I just like Piplop. <laughs> they, they did have good starters in this generation. I think... Oh, Piplop's great. Pip-lops is great. You can make a defense for a Turtwig and Chimcha... No, you, you
0: don't understand. Piplop is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um, The first time I went to Japan, very first time I went to Japan, so we're talking 14, 15 years ago at this point. um, I wanted to go to a Pokemon Center because of course I did. I was an Australian and I like video games. And what do you do when you go to Japan for the first time as an Australian who likes video games? You go to Akihabara and you go to a Pokemon Center. Funnily enough, there's not a Pokemon Center in Akihabara, which is is odd. But anyway, uh, so I went along to the Pokemon Center. I was a cadet journalist on... Thirty-five thousand dollars a year at that point, which is nothing in Australia. You don't really live very well on thirty-five thousand dollars a year. So this is my first big trip overseas. I had very little money, but I went to a Pokemon center, and there was this big Piplup that was there, big one, and it was on sale for five thousand something yen, uh, which works out at about fifty something dollars. So yeah, I had to buy it and. It was only after I bought it that I realized that was like my budget for stuff for three days or four days or something. Um, so I blew blew a lot of my money on my trip on this one Piplup and don't regret it at all now. Regretted it at the time, but now that I have that Piplup still, um, that's my big stuffed animal thing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm very happy
2: with that. i you pip-lup. all this time.
1: <laughs> I, I'm very happy with my Piplup. So, yes, Piplup is my favorite Pokemon. No, I'm always grass starters, except for the one which had the frog. The frog. So, yeah, the the, the froggy, fro- the blue thing. That was the water
2: starter. Oh, yeah. you mean you liked the frog?
1: Yeah, played. So so I was grass all along, and then I switched to the frog on the one which had the frog. But every um, other time, I've been grass starters.
2: The, the, I've always thought the water starter was the most fun, or like looked looks like the best design consistently. Squirtle's great, Mudkip is great, Piplup is great. Uh, Sobble is great but uh, the problem is in the games there's so many water Pokemon because I feel like the designer is just like fish so many fish so (laughs) they don't feel as useful because you're going to find another water type somewhere else and the fire types are usually pretty rare because fire isn't a naturally occurring animal (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about so it feels more strategic to pick the fire type but uh, the water types have such good designs.
0: I always uh, pick my starter Pokemon based on just purely aesthetics. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in kind of min-maxing my way through Pokemon games. My parties are always just whatever Pokemon amuse me the most, uh, and yeah, I've I've kind of dropped in and out. to I mean, the only I, I very rarely choose the grass Pokemon as the starter Pokemon. I've never really liked any of those. I don't think. Uh, I did go with Charmander in the first generation because he looked like a dragon and dragons are cool um but yeah Piplop for that generation the most recent one sword and shield i went back to fire for the bunny fire bunny was cool
1: um, it's all about grass grasping whatever the grass grasping i've was.
0: never really picked the grass ones Bul- bulbasaur was an ugly little bastard i have the little monkey the monkey is so, <laughs>
1: so awesome I have oh, a little monkey.
2: I, I like the monkey. I like that he just evolves into this giant Tyco Drummer. <laughs> yeah, the evolved a, a are design. always
1: the, the the actual the actual base ones are always like the cute designs, and then they turn into like giant monsters or like overly muscly creatures these days. Yeah, that's the thing. Actually, you get the I mean, starter, to... and you're like,
2: oh, they're cute, and then they evolve, and you're like, I didn't want this. Why, why did you do this to me?
0: My my wife stopped playing Pokemon because of that. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, she she was playing Pokemon Pearl as well at the same time uh, as, as me. Um, or oh, no, she got into it later, I think. Anyway, she, she was playing Pokemon Pearl, and, um, yeah, she picked Piplop as well because Piplop's cute. And then it turned into whatever that next generation, then the next uh, evolution is, uh, Emporium? Was that the second one or the third it one? It
2: evolved into Primplop, which is like a goofy little dude. Yeah, yeah, anyway, she, she did not like that at all, and she stopped playing them. <laughs> And then it evolves into Empoleon, which is a yeah, stupid Yeah, Empoleon is the one. Empoleon yeah. Emperor Penguin. Such a yeah. great Pokemon.
0: Yeah, she she was not amused by what happened to Piplup. Um, so, yes, definitely the, the way they evolve is is uh, go from cute to not very cute anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what else have we got to say about Pokemon? I, the, I wonder if this one is going to not do well for nintendo because everybody knows that there's an actual new pokemon
2: coming next year early next year oh that one doesn't count i don't think i think it's like a i think the way you should think about legends Arceus is the same way that you think about pokemon snap is that it's a separate game with separate systems that isn't a mainline game yeah i wonder if people are going to
1: buy that though People buy it. If they're going
0: going, to, if they're going to, I I wonder if people are going to buy the idea that these are the next kind of proper Pokemon games, and then next year that one's just a a kind of side thing. Because my impression is that that one, the one that's coming next year, is more aligned with what people, the toxic fans, uh, what they think Pokemon should be doing.
2: Oh no, the toxic fans don't like that game at all because they think oh, it well, looks that'd... cheap. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, toxic fans. I mean, the really toxic fans don't like this game either. They don't. They don't like anything really.
1: Yes, it's a right. Nintendo cycle with like uh, with uh, the Game Freak games. It's like, yeah, it looks like it looks horrible, and then it's like, oh, like oh, look the pixels and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, it's like footage from like 20 years ago. It'll be like, it'll be refreshed. Like, I'm just looking forward oh, to like, the inevitable.
0: The inevitable Pokemon. This this Pokemon game is going to get released and then somebody's going to do that comparison. This is what a Nintendo sixty dollar game cost. This is what a Sony sixty dollar game costs, and they're going to compare Pokemon to God of War or something like that. Yeah, in, and in I, any I, way, I,
2: I didn't bring it up because I didn't really want to talk about it. I think that the Diamond Impulse game is a pretty good game, and the remake looks like it's going to be fine. And all the little complaints about the graphical style and everything, I'm just like.
1: I like the graphical style. I like how it like tries to take that chibi style ds look they had and i like how fun it looks
2: yeah yeah i i agree and i like going back to tiles again it feels more right for the franchise but aside from that i think people are gonna buy it and the people who yell aloud at us on twitter are very strange to me because it seems like they buy the game and they just spend the entire 40 hours angry out of their minds hating it and then making a big video saying here are all the reasons why it's bad. But they bought the game and they played the game and I'm pretty sure they like the game. So yeah, what are we doing here?
0: There's a there's a weird uh, I can't believe that we've ended up using this podcast to talk about toxic Pokemon fans, but here we are. <laughs> um there's a weird thing about the, that group in particular that they just they're obsessed with being fans of a series they just don't like anymore. You know, um, and every, everything makes them them mad, and they'd rather yell about these games on Twitter than play something else. There, there are plenty of other games out there that you can play if if uh, if Pokemon's not your thing anymore. I think there's I think Pokemon's hit the point where people who grew up with Pokemon and. Um, th- there are people who grew up with Pokemon who are, have now changed their tastes. You know, they've changed as people. The original Pokemon was, was what, 30 years ago now? Not quite. 20 Don't,
5: Don't me feel Very that old class. Get
0: oh, <laughs> Anyway, people people like me, for example, who pl- played the original Pokemon, love the, the original Pokemon, we've grown up now. We're, we're different people. And that means that there are a lot of people out there who would have, just not interested interest in that series anymore and yet for the thing that I find really strange is that a lot of these people still seem to think that they should be into this series and when it doesn't deliver for them they get cranky you know it, yeah. it's yeah, it's I'm really sure. weird that they just don't go and play something else if I'm, if I'm not interested in something I, I just stop playing it like I, when I was growing up I was a big fan of um, first person shooters <laughs> I, I was uh, I was right into Medal of Honor um, back in the earlier days of the series. Uh, I grew up, I changed, I realized that those games were pretty crap. So I stopped playing them. I don't get mad every time that a Call of Duty isn't tapping into my nostalgia for when I was 15 years old. So I I just don't know why the Pokemon fans don't move on if this series isn't
2: giving them what they want anymore. I think that you get very personalized with these games. If you take Medal of Honor as example, you play the game, you finish the campaign, you consume it, and you move on. Whereas everyone's playthrough of Pokémon becomes extremely personalized. You see
3: all the mm, choices the
2: that you make after mm. the course of the game, and then you get, become really attached to it. You start to feel like you own it, so you start to feel like you're also entitled to determine what the future of it should look like.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely a good point. I mean, the fact that you've got all these hundreds of Pokémon, that, and therefore, as a result, the group that you take into the the group you end up with is is very much your own kind of tailored group and there's a lot of emergent storytelling in that that you do have these little stories about your favorite pokemon and your memories of them and therefore the attachment i guess to them is is stronger so yeah, I, I can you know,
2: definitely see that. I can and see. Then game that. Freak is just like your favorite Pokemon. He's not in this game anymore. Instead, we have whatever this thing is.
1: I mean, get <laughs> it. Like it's poly- toads in it, it's okay. Every game <laughs> should have Politoed. <laughs> I mean, there,
0: there is that point. I mean, one thing I have found disappointing about Pokemon, but not really the fault of the Pokemon designers, is just how weird the Pokemon are getting. Um, the original generations, the earlier generations of Pokemon, they were generally aligned with what real animals kind of look like you know um or at least fantasy animals uh so you know charmander looked like a dragon uh squirtle looked like a turtle uh bulbasaur is not really a point i wanted to make but um you know it's a duck you know psyduck it's a duck pikachu it's a mouse They're, they're all vaguely similar to real world animals the more modern pokemon games is just okay let's take seven different animals stick them together and voila
2: that's yeah this fighter jet it's a dragon now it's also a ghost
0: (laughs) so i i'm not such a fan of the designer pokemon these days i do prefer the earlier generations in terms of that and i think for me pearl and diamond will probably be enjoyable for that reason it was probably the cusp of things where it started to change so it's still i mean the monster designs are still the way i like them um just before the series took the turn it did with that.
2: So yeah, I'm looking forward to that from an aesthetic yeah. point of view. And I mean if you don't like it, there's always Shimagami Hensei. That's a week before. Yes, that's coming out a week before as well. I'm God, the
0: discourse around that's gonna be wild as well. <laughs> but, Why people not like that too. No no the the thing with Shimagami Tensei, right, because it's been so long since we've had new ones, and this happened with the HD remaster of Shimagami Tensei 3. A lot of Shin Megami Tensei fans, or at least they think they're fans, come to it from Persona. So they know that Persona was an offshoot of Shin Megami Tensei, and they think, hey, cool, I like Persona. Persona 5's so cool. You know, Anne's just the best. Um, I'm going to play this one because it's the same series, right? And then they play it, and they're like, what the absolute hell am I playing? <laughs> this thing's so hard. They start, And they get very angry. They, there were a lot of people that came to the series the wrong way around, and they're just discovering now that uh, Shin Megami Tensei does not hold your hand. All the
1: Persona uh, fans should go and play Blue Reflection instead.
0: Well, well that's yeah. That's a I'm, good
1: point. Yeah, that's a good point. Blue Reflection is very awesome.
0: much, is very much um, sh- uh, Persona-like for Persona fans. Or the Collegular Effect. You know, that one just came out last month as well. Yeah,
2: there's lots of high school energy JRPGs now. Tokyo Xanadu is another good one. Um, yeah. Akiba's Beat is a good one. The Digimon games are pretty good. Cyber Sleuth is a good Persona-like.
0: Yeah, so I, I think that this one's going to be interesting because it has been quite a while since we've had a new Shin Megami Tensei. And, yeah, people are people are going to have opinions on it. They already have opinions on the art style, of course.
2: I just remembered that the Shin Megami Tensei 4 was a 3DS exclusive, and that hasn't been available anywhere else, has it?
0: No, they never did take that off the 3DS, unfortunately. I enjoyed that. That was quite a good game, too.
2: Yes. Okay, well, I'm guessing that's going to be a realist at some point.
0: Yes, I would hope so. I mean, the thing is, the problem is that the 3DS games are probably more difficult to bring elsewhere because the screen resolution, the fact that 3D was built into them, um, yeah, the the work to, to restore them is a lot more, I think, than, say, taking Nocturne from the PS2 and sharpening the visuals up and
2: dropping it on the the consoles, modern consoles. So, who knows? That's true. And I'm still going to be salty that the Japanese uh, Nintendo Online has all the Shin Megami Tensei games. Oh, it does, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It even has the spin-offs.
0: Doesn't it also have a Fire Emblem?
2: It does have Fire Emblem. I'm pretty sure it also has Famicom Wars, like all the things that you're All
1: the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Can all you right. have to switch in, like, go into a Japanese... You can, you thing can. ...and download a separate Japanese 64 copy? You, you,
2: you can, and you need to have... I think you need to have either Japanese eShop credit or something to first sign up for it. But, you, yeah, you absolutely can do that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's completely region free, so... Um... Yeah, you, you definitely can, just like you can buy Japanese games off the eShop, but as long as you've got the Japanese credit, then you can also buy the games. Uh, you, you can also buy the online thing, but obviously you're going to have to be able to play them in Japanese, which makes it difficult for RPGs, not so hard for other games. But, yeah, good luck getting through an RPG if you don't understand Japanese.
1: I just feel like it will be a total Nintendo thing for it to be actually completely in English when you boot the games up, though. That's, well, that, 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 that's does so happen.
2: Sin so and Punishment true. is voice acted in English for some reason.
0: No, because they localized it. That's actually new. They did that for the... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they did that for the virtual console release. Oh, wild. Yeah, so that was actually not just a drop the ROM on the virtual console. That was actually an effort to localize it for the first time. So you should definitely appreciate that when you're playing Sin and Punishment.
5: Oh,
2: okay. Learned that thing today.
0: All right, so I think we'll give this podcast a wrap. It's been going on for quite a while. (laughs) We've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, And, yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, as always, for being on and chatting, Harvard and Trent. It was good to have your thoughts. And, um, yeah, let us know your own thoughts in the comments if you have any thoughts about N64s or uh, Pokemons.
2: Maybe don't let us know if you have thoughts about
0: (laughs) Pokémon. Yeah, especially those fans. Uh, I, I'm genuinely I'm in an are in about reviewing that because I did not have a good time after I reviewed Pokemon Sword. You ruined it for me, fans. Have
1: a review just be about Piplup.
0: I will. I'll just a...
1: Piplop can hang out. It'll be like a travel brochure. It's like Piplup's hanging out with his friends in like
0: I'll write a poem to Piplup <laughs> and then give it five stars and watch the Pokemon fans absolutely melt. Because that that'll be fun. I'm gonna do that, Trent. I'm absolutely you even to... review the game. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. That's gonna be so much fun. Uh, anyway, uh, on that note, we'll we'll definitely go. Well, uh, let's play some music from Pokemon Pearl. I guess was there any good music in Pokemon Pearl? Uh, the ending theme is really good. Okay, the ending theme, the credits theme. Yep, cool. That'll work. Have a good week, everybody. Do let us know your thoughts, um, and we will see you next time.